Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews, insights, project management, leadership trainings and lessons learned from the field of healthcare to improve the delivery of your projects and business performance. Welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. Today, I interviewed Dr. William Dawson from the One Medical Group. He is a father of two. He loves to paint. He loves going to the cinema. He is the chief medical officer at One Medical Group. And I also think he is the deputy chief executive. He's involved in his PCN. He still holds sessions as a GP and is just an overall fantastic and lovely guy. In this interview, we talk a lot about well-being, uh, its importance and why it's so important to Will and his organisation. They're doing so much to make their organisation a fantastic place to work, not just for their patients, but for their staff as well. Even though Will mentioned the term compassionate leadership, he only mentioned it once. It just, when you hear him talk, He's a very compassionate leader and I just think the organisation, I just think are really, really lucky to have him and really be embracing that ethos. I think it's clear to tell they've got very clear vision and mission, which has helped driving their behaviours. Will describes One Medical Group as quite a small organisation, but it isn't. (laughs) Um, And just shared all the various different services. I've got... um, 250 employees so to me that's that's big and it seems to be growing um, continuously which is amazing and it's enabled to grow so amazingly because they're really investing in their people and their staff and their resources. I think the leadership advice we'll share is around being kind to yourself you know as you're learning when we're learning to build these businesses we make mistakes and we just need to be a little bit easy on ourselves Um, and learning to accept and manage uncertainty the best that we can with various roles and family commitments it's really important to understand the priorities and also to let things go and knowing that but you can only let things go when you know that you've got a team behind you supporting you so it's another good one they're always good ones enjoy share and I will see you in the next episode Hi, Will. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm very well, Tara. Thank you for having me. How are you? Yeah, good. So our paths crossed thanks to the lovely Ashani Patel at Lantern. We went to their like innovation dinner. Yeah. And we had a good old chat. We did, and a couple yeah. of And a couple of drinks. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to describe it, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like, he's really, really cool. I got to learn a little bit about One Medical Group. I just thought you'd be a fantastic guest on the podcast. I know your business is doing really, really big things. And I just thought it'd be really helpful. You hold the title of Chief Medical Officer. And I think for our listeners, it'd be nice to understand what that role is and just learn a little bit more about you so could you share with our listeners um yeah a little bit about yourself yeah um yeah so I've got lots of roles but yeah so um so I'm a a GP I've been a GP for seven years and worked for one medical group for five for the last five years um I I live in Leeds live in North Leeds which is a a lovely part of town so very diverse community um 
leafy surroundings and great food and culture which is one of the things I'm all about um so uh, when I'm not working I am a I'm uh, a father to two little girls um I love cooking primarily because I love eating I talk I often talk too much and then when I'm not talking I'm at the cinema or or I'm I'm learning to paint so I did my first um self-portrait in the summer so I'm I'm practicing with my with my paints but yeah so that's that's me outside of work so as I say I I joined one medical group uh, in 2014 as a, a GP for a practice in Leeds um, and one medical group's quite a quite a unique company in, in the the fact that there's there's lots of opportunity to grow and, and develop as an individual. So um, at the time, uh, the lead GP, it was kind of a, a sort of fortunate fix, right? I came to be one um, chief medical officer at the time. The medical director was leaving, and the lead GP, who was sort of the next in line, moved to Australia. So so I was offered the job in, in for a, a role as a lead GP for primary care in 2015. Um, at the time, I declined it, but found myself sort of gravitating to the role. So I took on the, the role in 2016 and then in 2017 uh, moved into the board position of chief medical officer. And then over the summer, I've, I've, I've gathered some extra titles. So I've become, <laughs> I've become deputy chief executive um, in September and I'm also uh, responsible for um, the, the, um, the currently the interim divisional director for our um, in a NHS health side of the company um, so yeah so really busy. Are you still a practicing GP? Yeah so I, I do so I'm still practicing which I know is um, is, is always a challenge but I, I, I have a clinical day on a Tuesday um, so that's where I um, it's, it's partly um, that's where I get a chance to, to see patients but also um, based in a in a practice in Leeds so I, I kind of run the, the team uh, organize the team meetings lots of work at the moment where i'm involved in developing the the piece the pcn so i'm working in, in the local pcn so there's a lot of a lot of meetings and, and stuff going on there so but yeah so so i still i still do uh a practice as a gp and, and it's really interesting and obviously coming through the company and starting off as a, a gp and, and maintaining that it's really really important thing for me because it does help you give it gives that different perspective it helps you kind of understand it and relate to people and really see what's going on as well so so I do that but I also I also get out and see other other practices and other services as well across the country. So how do you juggle all of that? Oh that's a good question um I've I've given up trying to juggle it sometimes (laughs) to be honest with you I think it's I think one of the key things and one of the key things I've learned in my role as, as time has moved on is is how you can be adaptable and I think there's always priorities and shifting priorities so understanding your priorities is really important um being able to be adaptable um letting go of letting go of being too rigid and too controlling is really important but i think the other aspect is i'm really lucky because we have a really a really talented bunch of people who work for the company both at a practice level and and across all of our teams but also uh at a, um, a service delivery and leadership level we've got some really great people and we've we're we're a small organization small company which has all has been adaptable so we, we all we, we all kind of support each other and, and pitch in and uh, and kind of manage things together so very much a strong team ethos helps us get through that so when you say a strong team uh, sorry a small team yeah, yeah. how many people are you talking about 
so the company so the company at the moment is um so it, it has uh 15 different services uh, across primary care urgent care and um, community care services we have about just under 250 employees um so we do so and within the health healthcare side so within the, the sort of 15 services overarching that at the moment we have myself um and then a service delivery team which is currently we we have a, a soon to join um director of service delivery and three service delivery leads so they're sort of like regional practice manager type roles where they oversee a portfolio of um, of services and give them the operational and sort of development support um we have a a lead um nurse who uh, sits as our sort of heads of professions um as a director of professions so he he provides some of the clinical um workforce support and professional support and we have a, a head pharmacist and a, a head of patient safety who are all clinicians by background um who i work with to support with the, the quality of care some of the service delivery some of the service innovation and and things like quality assurance as well um so that's within the sort of health side of the, the company um a, a group wide because we, we we have other aspects of the company so the company's not just a, a healthcare provider it also supports with health spaces and estates um technology and um and also has a, a a integrated primary care consulting team as well, so they who are working with external PCNs. So we have a, a group of executives who work across the company. We also have our own um, central support team. So we have a financial team and uh, HR team, the business intelligence team. So it all sounds very large and grand, but actually it's it's still based. It's 50, our company's 15 years old this year, and is based out of the. Um, the founding members um uh, a barn on the founding members farm so we're, we're based on in, in a, a sheep a sheep a sheep farm in yorkshire and still very much in, in where we started so uh, we're, we're still very close to our roots although we we certainly kind of uh um uh, are doing a lot and, and have grown quite a lot as well so it's not a small team <laughs> it's not <laughs> no, no um so what uh, what is your what do you when you're not in practice what does yeah. a typical day look like for you yeah oh, that's a really good question i think the most the question i'm most often asked is what is what is it that you do um and it, and, and again it hits it's a really interesting one because it, it's changed over time so much but uh, so and i guess uh, as the company has grown and as it's developing and as it's moving and maturing um that role has shifted as well um, primarily, I'm responsible for the clinical governance and quality over all of our NHS services, and that includes service and de- development, continuous improvement, and also, as as is now, um, operation, operationalising the company's strategic vision. Uh, and again, our vision and mission is, is really simple: that that's to Im- to improve the lives of everyone through promoting better health and well-being. Uh, and we have we focus that's not just for our patients but also for our staff as well so i am in addition to the clinical aspect of it i I work with the business intelligence team and the hr and organizational development team and people to look at how we can improve our workforce look at how we can do some new things which don't just make our patients better but also make us better and then the people who we work with with better as well so what does that well-being look like for you guys yeah so so we started investing in in well-being um 
about well we, we started really thinking carefully about it last year uh, and we have the well-being is personally very important to to a number of us so um, as a board we took the decision last year to start developing a, a well a, a workplace well-being strategy for the whole company so that's been a, a piece of work that I'm hugely proud of um, and that's something that we've been we've been building over over the last year so at the moment we, we've developed strategy around sort of safe working for our staff taking into account all the evidence that's out there for safe working we've also really we really acknowledged that we, we know health and well-being is important and we know it's important from all the evidence that exists there and it's not just it's not just that we know that actually improving the well-being of our staff improves productivity and reduces sickness and absence but we also know in a health setting um if you have better well-being it makes you more compassionate more empathetic and the results are that we get better patient quality of care we make improvements to patient safety and, and we have better patient and staff experience so so we've really we've really promoted making sure that we can guard against burnout and for me burnout something which is particularly a focus for me but again um it's something that we're working really hard to so this year we've, we've developed a strategy which is focused around the five ways to well-being and that's created um, a number of events and and activities throughout the year that we've been we've been giving to staff. We've um, we've placed wellbeing champions at every site and service to help champion wellbeing for the teams and also give a voice from top to bottom about how we're doing. So I was just going to I hope you don't sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. I just no, wanted no. to ask. So I lots of organisations have a wellbeing strategy and policy. Yeah, yeah, and. I accept everything that you're saying, but yeah, why yeah. why is it so important to you? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And I think it for me, overwhelmingly, but my story of arriving and, and working for for one medical group very much came after a point of of poor well being for myself and burnout. So um so I, it was when I I just qualified as a as a GP um and was working um in the partnership where I trained very much felt like a family at the time it was there were it was very close it was a very small minute very traditional but quite a young practice and it was something I was really passionate about something that I thought was going to be kind of my long-term future um after I'd qualified the the crack the cracks quickly started to show for me personally but also within the team that we were working in so the surgery had lost its two senior partners and the partnership was very much in flux and the demands of of growth and keeping the partnership successful and um, put a lot of pressure on the team and me personally as a new GP I'd moved from a position as many GPs do from being a very sort of supported very well mentored trainee GP to to a situation where all of a sudden that door had very much felt like it had been closed and I was in an environment where the response was it was very much a lot of uh, of burden on my own shoulders and a lot of expectation as well so I found myself moving from to an environment where I was seeing 60 patients a day and um, covering the partner's holidays, covering over Christmas um, and gradually burning out without realising it. Um, and then that was a very challenging time, became very stressful, affected not just my work life, but my home life. Um, but again, something that I really didn't realise. And at the time, there was no there was no structure, no strategy and no ability to even recognise and support that. In, in in the way that I worked and in fact the opposite happened I found myself being distanced from until about um about 10 months into 
the first year of me working as a as a salaried GP after qualifying, I was sat down by partners who told me that they were going to end my contract and was two months notice um, because of what they perceived as, as poor performance and and not fitting. Um, and actually were told me at the time that I maybe needed to reconsider what my career should be because I didn't think I was well suited to to medicine. Um, so that was that that really for me has has been a defining note for me as a as a professional and as a person. And I think not just the way that that was dealt with, but also the aftershock of that. So it, it took a lot for uh, it was a very very lonely two months and before I left and emotionally very hard. And I think I if I hadn't had I was very lucky to get a, a huge amount of support from the local LMC and family and friends. And I think if I hadn't had that support, if I hadn't had someone to support me through that, I think I probably would have ended my medical career at that point. Um, so yeah, so it's personally very important to me. And my story is not not the singular one in, in the company. I think that there's lots of people who've been through similar stresses, similar personally affected them. So, so we know it's important from the facts, but I think at the very core of, of the company and the very core of myself, we, we know it's the right thing to do. And actually working working when I joined one medical group it, it was it was something that the, the approach to how we how the company has always supported people and then supported its staff has been very different and unlike any experience I've ever really had in the NHS um, so yeah so that's something I've always been really committed to um, and in, and really enjoyed um, and I think so so when I when I stepped into leadership I think that was something I, I, I felt was really important was to to understand the, I mean, we call it now um, the sort of um, compassionate and inclusive leadership strategies, which which are very much sort of pressed at a national level now. But I think understanding that and valuing that and really seeing people and supporting them has always been a massive priority for me. And it's been a great opportunity that I've managed to get to a position where we can really make this a, a focus for the company. Oh, thanks for sharing that. So what I see when thinking about burnout is the really good people take on lots of roles. So at the beginning of this interview, you said since September, I've gathered a few extra titles. Yeah, yeah. How do you, and not just you, but people in your organisation, you take on more responsibility because you're really keen and passionate and you can see what needs to be done. How do you protect how do we protect ourselves from taking on too much when you really want to do it? Yeah, no, and that's a great question. And we talk about work-life balance, don't we, as being a thing where you can't have too much work, you have to have your life. And I think one of the things that has really helped me is understanding that that good health and well-being and a good life balance is not something that you just have to save for out, out of work. So it's understanding that actually the balance of what we do, the support you get and the value you get, throughout your life is really important and then, and again the NHS talks about resilience quite a lot uh, and I think sometimes in the NHS we talk about resilience as being how low can you go how empty how how far can you run on empty so for me the opposite is the case so I look to see how full can we stay how 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 um how kind of topped up with the things that kind of keep me keep me going keep me um feeling value and taking value from life I mean, so when, when things do happen, you feel well, you feel supported. And I think what what we don't always reckon, recognise is, is is how do we protect ourselves from burnout? How do we protect ourselves from from the bad things that happen? And I think the reality is sometimes 
that that you can't you can't you can't predict what's going to happen you can't protect yourselves from things that are going to happen but you what you can do is prepare yourself so actually when when things don't go right or don't go well or you do or things go wrong you do feel overburdened what you have is enough enough support enough kind of um resource to be able to kind of rise up and rise against that and i think the I, I the 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 biggest the strongest sort of evidence I could have of that is so in in 2015 I had I was diagnosed with very early stage testicular cancer and I think what got me through that was not so much that I was prepared or emotionless for for um for what was happening but it was actually the support you have and actually the position that I was in at this time was a very good position lots of good things were happening and actually I felt. You, you have the resilience through not running on empty and I, and I, we've, we've really tried to promote that within the company to say yeah things are hard you have to kind of be adaptable but what we want to do is for you to take value feel value and actually have all this you know have the the things you need to be full up in life and, and have that health and well-being so we've done a lot of work with our teams to talk about what resilience is, what health and well-being is, but also what are our values? What do, what do, what are the important things to us as individuals, and how do we develop that? And we've done a lot of work to promote how we can create a values-based culture within the company as well. So, so we have that resilience, but in a, in a way where we're not, we're not, um, yeah, we're keeping ourselves full, not waiting to, for us to to run out of energy. And it's only a slight thing, but when you first introduced yourself, I think most guests kind of, you know, they start with work first. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you were like, I've got two kids, I like to paint, I see you on Instagram, you take really lovely pictures. Um, so it's nice that you, you know, like you introduce yourself as, you know, like the person first. Yeah. Rather than the titles. And I, and I think we, uh, yeah, and that's always really important. It's interesting you kind of think about that. And, um, and again, um, I see very much as, as, as you try to see the person and try to see the individuality and the diversity in who we are, not try to bring a title. And I think sometimes people can use, you can, the titles are obviously important, um, but actually if you rely on a title, you rely on that to define you, sometimes that can be a really big risk because actually you either lose yourself or when you lose that title, that something goes wrong. You actually then well how do I value myself and we're again we're really lucky in our company that we are quite a divert come from quite a diverse background so there are a number of people who've come from outside the NHS and non non-clinical and then people who come from a multiple of different clinical backgrounds and one of the values of that is actually everyone has a different perspective but we all have to sort of value each other not just for 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 what our degree was or where we trained but actually for who we are and what what thoughts and ideas that we we can offer each other which again makes me feel really proud but it also is really energizing actually because you can you think of each other as people and i think one of the things is for me again part of part of the work we do is recognizing that we're all people and actually people people work for people you know they, yeah. they don't work for titles so outside of your kind of the, the stuff you're doing around well-being yeah what else is working really well in one medical group at the moment so, I mean, I, I think, again, just staying back onto this, the people point of view, I think at our core, we have, a, a, we have a group of really, really talented and amazing teams that deliver our services. I think even at this point when the NHS is under a huge amount of strain, um, some of our services are, are, are 
hugely over capacity but the the teams we have are very very strong they're they're hugely compassionate about the people that they care for and they're hugely passionate about the work they do and deliver a very high level of care we we took part in in the cqc's and working uh practice um sorry uh the providers at scale last year and 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 did very well and have all of our services are rated good at cqc and i think that's a really testament to the amazing teams and people that we have um because actually you can create as we know you can create a whole structure and an overarching view of things but actually if you're not getting things right on the ground and you don't have the people and you don't have the people who generally care um, then you, in, in healthcare you're not going to get it right and I think part of what we've really focused on over the last year is how we create that environment and the right climate to support and set our teams and the people who work in the teams up for success so that's I think one of the things I, I would say is really works well. As the business is growing have you experienced any growing pains? Yeah. Can I leave it there? No. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, of, of course. And I think there's always, as you grow and you do things for the first time or you learn, you're always learning. And I think there's, there is, there is always going to be growth pains, certainly from the, the, the company as it's matured and gone from a, uh, a new company to one which is becoming more organized and bigger as it needs to be as we grow, I think there's always going to be growing pain. Can you give me an example? Yeah, I mean, I think that some of that's around learning. It's about learning what you can do. It's understanding when how things have worked and how they haven't worked. So again, becoming a little bit more disciplined in understanding kind of what, why things have worked. And I think then importantly, understanding when they haven't worked, what does that really mean? And, and, and being brave enough to be open and honest and kind of say, well, we've got things wrong here, guys. But what we can we learn for next time is a really important part of, of what we do. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges always as you grow is moving from a place where something feels very certain and comfortable to, to a world where, where the world isn't, isn't quite as clear or, or things are a little bit uncertain. I think as me as a leader, certainly a lot of the work I do is around accepting and managing the uncertainty and anxiety that comes with not quite knowing the path ahead but giving people enough structure and clarity so so we can really um, progress and, and move forward and again it's having everyone on board um, to understand the vision and where we and the values and, and the, the mission of the company so there's a lot of challenge there I think you know culturally the NHS isn't just one isn't just one being so accepting actually there will be lots of people with different views um, as we kind of grow and other new members of the team join us it's how how we can accept the different voices and the challenges so that can always be really hard because especially when you've you've succeeded at a very early stage that, that you can you can set and stay in the right the right way of doing things and I think it's some of the challenges is just taking a pause and reflecting and saying okay well how do we move forward and how do we how do we keep keep things fresh and keep doing things differently um but yeah it's, it's a good it's a good um it's a good challenge it's a challenge i enjoy it's one i found re- really interesting um as well so so yeah so i think that's that's probably one of the biggest things what advice would you give somebody um stepping into the role of a chief medical officer so yeah that's a good question and i think i would start with so um 
when I first when I was first encouraged to go for this role, I was also dissuaded from by a number of people who kind of felt, you know, I don't think this is quite right for you. I'm not sure. Um, and and one piece of advice I think which was given slightly unintentionally, but is one that has always stuck with me. Uh, and it was, um, if you're serious about leading, then you need to go and do something about it. And I think at the time it was a sort of implication of saying, you don't really know what you're talking about. But um, what that did is inspire me. It inspired me to do, um, at, at the time, uh, something that I hadn't really given much thought to, but that was to join the Health Foundation's Generation Q Leadership Fellowship. Um, and that was really, really an important stage for me in my development. Uh, and so I would encourage anyone who's serious about doing any sort of leadership at an organisational level is to really go away and understand what it means to lead, um, what it means to lead people, but also understanding what organisations are and how they're constructed um, has always been really helpful to me. Um, I think the, be comfortable and, and then be curious, sorry, and then get comfortable with with not always having the answers but knowing how to ask the right questions um yeah and then and then the final bit would be to try to remember to offer yourself a bit of self-compassion and be kind to yourself because at the end of the day you're gonna if you're leading you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna get things wrong and sometimes it's not about being right but it's about how you respond to to the things that go wrong i think that for me that's one of the the key bits of advice i'd give anyone who, who wants to be a leader and if one medical group was going to win an award in 2020, what would that award be for? Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, we've, we, we've nominated for a few awards in, in 2019, but we didn't win anything, sadly. I, I think what I would really like us to be seen for is promoting the, the health and well-being for our employees that, that, we're, that we're currently um, doing it and I'm so passionate about. Um, because, I, again, I think... Uh, we have great people we have fantastic people delivering great care and I, I would really like the world to know that that we care for the people caring for our patients um and and we want to make it the best place to work in the nhs so i think that would be that would be what i'd like us to be in a, given an award for next year cool thank you so much for joining me today really, thank really you. appreciate well, it thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and we hope that you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, we would love it if you left us an iTunes review or if you comment, like and share it on our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn, just look for Tara Humphrey. So the Business of Healthcare podcast is being brought to you by THC Primary Care. We are a project management company specialising in the development of primary care networks, GP federations and training hubs. If you need support or you are looking for advice on how to progress one of your initiatives, please drop us an email so I can arrange a call with you so we can discuss this further. Our email is admin at thcprimarycare.co.uk. We've been helping primary care networks with their development plans, helping them to make the most of their network meetings, sharing training resources. We've had questions like what do we include in a project plan? We have implemented network-based contracts across GP federations. We also support the day-to-day -day operational management of training hubs and have also got experience in setting them up from scratch. If we can't help you, we definitely know some people who will be able to help you, so please do get in touch. 
And that's just to remind you, our email address is admin at thcprimarycare.co.uk or come and find us on www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. And in the meantime, please tune in to the next episode of the Business of Healthcare podcast. <laughs>